0: You're listening to Who's to Say with Tom Foolery. My purpose in producing this podcast is first, to lay my own thoughts and experiences out there so that we can connect honestly and genuinely. In doing so, I'll be exploring the parts of my world that bring me the greatest intellectual stimulation. Health, training, philosophy, religion, tennis, books, teachers, and much more. When I'm joined by guests... I like to employ the proprietary technique of interstation, the blend of interview and conversation that embraces a fluid structure while leaving ample room for candid expression and romps down rabbit holes. This core idea behind Who's to Say is in drawing out the lessons and wisdom from other people's experiences, mixing them with our own to create something magical, timeless, and unique. I hope you find it insightful and useful. Please leave a review on your podcast app, And if anything in these conversations really strikes you, please share with family and friends, even enemies, if you think it'll help them out too. And now, enjoy this particular rendition of Who's to Say. Welcome back to another episode of Who's to Say. I'm your host, Tom Foolery. And to give you some background for the inspiration for today's topic of health first, I'll tell you that I was on a walk, a long walk with my lover, and we were talking about some broader issues around C-19, health, immunity, wintertime, and the lack of sunlight. (laughs) We were enjoying a beautiful sunny walk here in December. And when we started to get more into the motivations around why I'm doing the podcast and a lot of my messaging and purpose, she posited to me this idea of health first, and I was really taken by that because it seems in two words to capture the dominating perspective of how I've come to look at my world, the capital W world, the world of my friends and family, and of course the the classic motto that this leads into is health is wealth. And that's a place where I wanted to start today because... It it overlaps with a personal exercise that I've been doing around my feelings and attitudes toward money and the role that that plays in my life and the values I've taken for granted about how I understand money that come from where and how I grew up, uh, the professions I've pursued and and the profession I've chosen, my own family's values and responses to what it takes to earn money and spend it and manage it and all that. So that's been inspired by someone I really admire, Josh Trent. I've t- spoke about him on the podcast, share a lot of his stuff on my Instagram because he's on a similar journey, especially he's now in early fatherhood and so it has me thinking more about wealth and of course this uh, somewhat cliche usage of the phrase health is wealth. I thought of kind of a simple way to start in here, and we and we are trying to simplify this concept of wealth and how it directs our choices in our life. So if we break this down a little bit, when we think of wealth, some of the things that come to mind are resources, what you can accrue with your wealth. I think one of the other things that come up is being stress-free, that if you have a great deal of wealth at your disposal, you're not really sweating too much. You're not worried about that doctor bill, car repair, grocery bill, things like that, that especially today with how things have become so expensive and inflated, uh, we can sweat those things pretty easily if we don't have a seemingly boundless store of wealth in our bank accounts, so that stress-free element is certainly relevant here. Generosity, what we're able to share and produce with people who may not have as much—that's a altruistic form of wealth that uh, warrants a deeper discussion, as does the wealth and money discussion, which I plan to share more of in the new year. Uh, but I know we think that. Philanthropy is sort of the hallmark of wealth, but there's a lot of ways that that's become corrupted. But we'll keep it within the confines of this health discussion to say that when we talk about wealth, we do think of that which we can share, and that comes from abundance, uh, most certainly. There's a comfort element to wealth where you're able to buy the things that do lead you to. We talk about the life of luxury. But also comfort, and that is correlated with a stress-free life wherein you are able to purchase and maintain a life where you're not wanting for food, water, heat, cooling, um, shelter, any, any, anything like that. So comfort is certainly an element here as well. And then to round out the wealth discussion, I, I think we talk about ability and access as well, that you are able to have a a gateway into things that you might not have had certain echelons of access and experience. Resources are attached to that as well. Uh, but it does the accrual of money and wealth does seem to lead you into greater abilities to explore, experience, and maybe yes, achieve some different levels of access to. Parts of society or resources that may not otherwise have been in your wheelhouse. So if I'm to draw some parallel lines to the concept of health in this discussion, when we talk about resources and ability and access, I think that's very much a realization that comes from a healthy life, body, mind, where you do feel somewhat limited limitless. And what I mean by that is when you're in this healthy state, you feel like you are tapped into more of what your physiology is capable of. You have clarity of mind, you have ease of movement, you have strength, resilience, and that makes you feel like you have this somewhat boundless access to your own potential. And for those of you who have been listening to the podcast, I think you know that one of the underlying currents of what keeps me talking through these concepts is the relentless pursuit of our ability to realize our potential. And it reminds me of that Vince Lombardi quote that we are going to strive for perfection. And even though we won't attain perfection, along the way, we will attain excellence. And that I think is imperative to The pursuit of our potential. We've come to believe that it's maybe futile to pursue that, but I think we can get a lot closer in one lifetime than we have been taught. And the more we unlock the capacity of our body, and and therein the the mind-body-soul, we get much closer to that potential in our true unique selves. To be stress-free, as an element of health as wealth means that when you have a optimally functioning body we've talked about this before one of the definitions of health is the optimal function of your biomechanical systems and your organs and i have a an, an updated definition of health that comes from who else other than the matchless paul check but to to follow that train of thought we're stress free when we have this high-functioning ability where our organs are helping us maintain our base level of bodily functions. They're not betraying us because of the food or habits or experiences we're trying to process. Um, We're stress-free when we are injury-free and don't have the bodily trauma of something that keeps us in this high-stress state, which as someone who is currently dealing with a really hampering injury. I can tell you that it's very hard not to be subdued by that. And there's there's a lot more to say and I, and I continue to take notes of my own experience because let's see, this time last year, I did have a uh, a disc slip or or herniated disc rather that and I think I've spoken about this before, it did feel like holy shit. like I, I totally see why people think that they need, countless hours of physical therapy and maybe even surgery when they have such a an acute injury like this. And I tried to buck that perspective in favor of asking the questions, what can I do to learn and heal myself and trust my body to protect me and get me back to a place where I am healthy and trauma and stress free. And that was not an immediate process by any means, but to make it more conscious and trusting that as I have, have sort of phrased it, the mentality of I'm healing versus I'm hurt. I'm healing takes more of a, of an active embrace of that process where, you know, it's a, it's a road that you're on. It's not a destination. Whereas I'm hurt says, well, shoot, I'm here. I've landed in this place of hurt of injury. It stopped me from what I want to do my my goals, my functions, and and the woe is me that escalates from there. Try to avoid that at all costs. So when we have a, a wealth of health, that means that we are stress, injury, limitation free. And we're not worried about what we can't do, we're excited about what we can do. The generosity that comes from a healthy disposition... I think about what we're then eager and willing to do, not just for ourselves, but maybe for other people. When I was hurt, especially with that lower back injury, the last thing I wanted to do was go for a walk with my with my girlfriend. And as it, as it turns out, that's a very counterintuitive approach because the blood flow that comes from regular walking is essential to not just injury recovery but the maintenance of, it's just that it's maintenance because when we sit or lay down or are sedentary for especially the prolonged periods of time that we often are, that's a stagnation that is not good for our organs, our blood, our lungs. Uh, so walking, and I'll get into the prescription of that later on is an essential element. And I, I, mention it along the lines of generosity because uh that's something especially if you get to walk with someone i think that's really fun time uh really really quality time that you get to spend letting the fresh air the sun the elements fuel you and help keep you present as well and especially if you're doing it with someone it is a generosity of your time your energy your thoughts that you're willing and able to share with someone that's been quite a learning curve for me is just to give into that more and say yes to more walks and more of that quality time. But also when I'm healthy and feeling tip top, I'm more generous with my, uh, yeah, I would say, I would say my life force to volunteer, to help people move, to do projects, to do my own projects around the house and just feel like, yes, I, that, that yes mentality of I do want to spend my energy and time, and those are synonymous of course, but spend that energy and time on things that require that I use my body. Maybe even that I get a little tired, but I know that I can recover and that the fatigue that I feel is going to be more of a, more of a buzz than a drain. And lastly, and although I am fond of saying comfort is a false deity, meaning that it's not something to be worshipped or constantly striven for, we do get this wonderful feeling when we can sit, stand, sleep, move, be comfortable, do all those things comfortably. That is one of the wonderful products of a healthy lifestyle, that discomfort, dis-ease is not a regular occurrence, so that we do and we are able to train this experience of, of comfort, where, as I said, our body is not betraying us, it's not t- telling us through symptoms and sensations that things need to, do, need to be done differently when we're at comfort, when we're able to be still. That's when a great deal of peace comes our way and when we're able to tune in to greater things in the field. So a lot of this, for me, has... Come from a reevaluation through injury, through experiences of peak performance, and then the the dialing back that comes from that, and it has caused me to reevaluate my core values of especially movement and diet. And in Paul Chuck's Four Doctor System, those are two of the diets. Uh, excuse me, two of the doctors: Doctor Quiet, Doctor Movement, along with Doctor Happiness, and Doctor. Quiet, excuse me, to to round that out again. It's Dr. Happiness, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Diet, Dr. Movement. And it is, I'm beyond grateful to that man and his life's work that has produced this simplification where someone like me can just go to how to eat, move, and be healthy and have a system in place to reassess and go inward for my own healing and for my own goal setting. And I wanted to share that with you all today in the concept of health first to reify our core values of these two most conventionally accepted uh, strategies for health. When we get into Dr. Happiness and Dr. Quiet, those things, just like movement and diet, are very personal, subjective but the the those have not quite entered the lexicon of common health parlance, and I'm certainly dedicated to changing that paradigm. But I I, I want to keep it somewhat simple for now because when we get into happiness and quiet time, there are so many different mechanisms for communing with those two doctors that it it requires from me a lot more education and experience before I feel capable of sharing that with you all. So, for today's purposes to focus on core values of we'll take movement first. I think only recently are we delving into the depths of mobilization and stretching and the essential nature of supporting our movement through those two modalities and as always there are Extremes and niches that get captured by the idea that those that mobility and stretching are the hallmarks of movement. But we know that's not true because you still need to be explosive, you still need to be strong, you still need to have endurance. And so we we can work all of those, and that goes under the bigger umbrella of working out. But one of the values we need to set up for ourselves in determining the prioritization of our health first. In every day and as many hours as we are conscious and committed to these practices, how do I continue to support my mobility and flexibility? And to to get technical for a moment, I think we can we we can comprehensively uh, understand mobility and stretching distinctly because mobility has come to be more. Uh, I, I think it's come to be more. Promoted in the world of weightlifting and strength training that you need mobility to function with strength and speed and resilience through the ranges of motion of a hinge where you're picking something heavy up off the floor of a squat where you're recruiting triple extension of your ankles, knees and hips. Uh, to support you for, for the elevator function of going up and down, any sort of pressing, especially overhead, that requires that you have mobility through your wrists, elbows, shoulders, some very complex joints. So mobility we do think of as the uh, connection and performance of joints, and we do that through long-range motion, and, and it's closely coupled with stretching. And I, I've been consuming a lot of different expert perspectives on this lately, that just to have a yoga or Pilates practice is is really not synonymous with stretching. Stretching is in and of itself something that is preparatory, preventative. There's several different kinds of stretching from passive active to uh, dynamic, uh, and there's so, sort of four or five elements of stretching. Uh, but what that comes down to is is Like a yoga class has so many different elements to it. There's breathing, there's isometrics, there's flexibility, there's mobility, there's strength. Uh, So it's really not just stretching, even though you are experiencing some uh, products of stretching. So, but, uh, But stretching has become one of my first rituals in the morning for the waking up of my musculature the blood flow it does help me reconnect with my breathing and it 's just a great check in to realize what is what is stiff what is sore, and so it 's an assessment process as well, but the preparative preventative element is to hone in if you 're picking up on other areas of movement for me it's it's my squat and and every time I squat i 'm hyper aware of what my hips are up to, not just from injury, but the sensation of, well, shoot, that feels tight. I'm not able to go as deep or come up as quickly as I would like. That helps me recalibrate. And when I do my stretching, whether it's in the morning or before or after a lift or a tennis match, uh, I can I can hone in on those areas. If I know that my upper back is is in good shape, I don't have to give as much time dedicated to it. So as, as always, as with so many things related to health, uh, and health first, it requires an awareness. And, uh, I, I neglected to mention in this new definition of health, which I'll revisit after this core values segment, uh, that honesty is really the cornerstone of health. And again, I'm beholden to Paul Check, who is a no bullshit master. And, is a lifelong proponent of just being honest with yourself. We can certainly find it a challenge at times to be honest with other people. We know the slippery slope of white lies or withholding radical honesty from other people, but we should embrace the ability to do it with ourselves and to be radically honest about our practices around resting, sleep, diet, hydration, movement, stretching, happiness. And when we do that, if I can honestly say, y- yes, my not only my hips are tight, but honestly saying that's restricting my movement, that could lead to injury. I'm also, I didn't get as much sleep as I should have. And I'm feeling the symptoms of that, that I'm trying to mask with uh, coffee or stimulants, sugar, anything like that. It it pays it, it, uh, untold returns to practice honesty on our health journey. And that, that's why I talk about reevaluation, reassessment so much is that when I have, I'm, I'm telling you from my own lived experience, when I've deceived myself or when I have willfully neglected any sort of weaknesses or blind spots in favor of something I'm trying to do or achieve or perform, then that's usually when the pain teacher pays me a visit and I have to reevaluate. So on- honesty will be a, a common thread throughout this tapestry that we weave of this health discussion. So um I think there's certainly core values that need to be established for each and every one of us around the time that we take to mobilize and stretch. I am a huge fan of doing it first thing in the morning or often before bed. It's very simply, all technicalities aside, it just helps you feel great. And if you get to do some foam rolling, light stretching before you go to bed, it just helps you wind down and help get you into that ritual of uh, being in a state that embraces um, ho- hopefully quickly falling asleep, but sleeping deeper as well. Working out, of course, is the, I, I would say, most well-known form of movement. Uh, but that I-, I have planned to make this distinction before, that working out is something different, of course, than working in. And they do need to exist in harmony. And working out is what we do when we feel great and... Uh, and, and by that, I mean, we, we are not debilitatingly sore. We don't have any injuries that are preventing us from doing what we need to do. Although uh, you can certainly work out around injuries. If you have a particular area that uh, you're not able to train, you can st- if it's a lower body injury, nothing keeping you from training your o- upper body, you still move forward with that. But, um, but the workout element is really reserved for the days and the, and the periods when we are at our best and that means we've taken care of our mobility and stretching, we've rested and we feel like we can really get after it. And so as we give give thought to the cleared uh discussion and the the establishment of our values around movement and working out, this is where I think we need to acknowledge the culture we have around really intense effort and the burn and the soreness and if if you are someone who is trying to achieve something really exceptional, Ironman training, marathon training, powerlifting, CrossFit, high rocks, anything like that, uh, then then there is some blood and sweat that needs to be paid. But on the other end. You must be paying strict attention to what it takes for you to recover as well. But for most of us who are on a burgeoning health journey or really trying to prioritize our, again, our our health first and what helps us feel great, capable, generous, comfortable, stress free, uh, then it, then our workouts should be oriented around, as I've said before, this sort of seventy to eighty percent effort range where we are challenging ourselves but we're we're not risking injury we're not burning ourselves out to the point where fatigue undoes a lot of the great progress we're making so we need to we need to establish those values of and and this as we'll talk about goes v- very in a major way into goal and dream setting and understanding whether it's something based on how we want to look or how we want to perform or how we want to feel then our workouts will follow that goal and dream. And if it does require maybe more than 80% effort, then we need to pull the throttle back on other days and sessions of the week. Uh, but, th- but this is all to say that the working out, it is about exertion, it is about uh, getting better, but then we get t- onto the step of working in, which is, I- I've come to under- understand that we make a tremendous amount of progress when we work in. And this can be whole sessions dedicated to body work, uh, tai chi, qigong, very, very simple body weight, slow movements, breath work, something I I have long been a practitioner of because uh, that's when I am able to reconnect with what's going on in my body. And if I take a day where it's a 20 or 30 minute session just to do some breath work, maybe that does lead me to, well, hey, you should also be foam rolling your upper body you should be doing some spinal mobility work you should hit the inversion table for a little while that's that's often when i can get some direction but the concept of working in is so transformational because that can help us get one percent better and i i loved that question positive by one of the tennis coaches i follow who used to ask his students when they would push back on jumping rope or working out or practicing their serve just to say Don't you want to get 1% better? Don't you want to do the simple things that are going to move you along in the direction of your goals and dreams? And if we neglect those things in favor of just working harder, which as I've said, hard work does not beget more hard work. It's sometimes, at some point, you come up against either a plateau in, in arguably the best case of scenarios, if not an obstacle or an injury. And working in is how we mitigate that. By taking time just to do simple blood flow movement, mobility work, then we can stave off, uh, the, the chronic fatigue and stress that will often lead to some major setbacks. So, um, as we, as we transition into the core values around diet, uh, there, there are myriad directions that you can go in with diet. And, uh, there's a lot of people whom I talk about that, are advocating whether it's elimination diets, such as the carnivore, uh, diets that are much more responding to your, uh, ethnic makeup, your genetic makeup. I, I think those things are, are really quite interesting as well, but the simple tenets of core values around diet include, I think number one, detoxification, which is where we include the tools of smart hydration and smart fasting, because especially if, if we're not eating a hundred percent organic or a hundred percent in harmony with what our body really should expect from, from us to be putting in our mouths. That's when I think fasting is a great tool to utilize because you just allow your cells and your organs to process everything, which we don't often give it the chance to do when we eat for the average person is eating 12 plus hours during the day, um, your your body is is constantly stressed out trying to catch up with that full process, and uh, and then elimination of the food that you're eating. So a fast for any length of time, I, I've advocated anything sixteen hours and beyond. Uh, although I'm I'm coming to think that a full day of not eating anything is a, a really simple method to. Uh, to practice some detoxification, but hydration as well. One of the core purposes of hydration is to flush toxins and uh, minerals out of our body in a timely manner. So you can make up for that with uh, some, I, I I do like using LMNT, the uh, electrolyte brand, because that has very simply stevia as its uh, sugar flavoring for some of the different fruity flavorings that they Uh, that they include. but magnesium, sodium, potassium. Simply put, those are the ingredients in those. You get a tremendous boost in your hydration to include those electrolytes, especially, and I I do mean especially, for those of you who are very active. Water just ain't going to cut it, and you don't want to go... To the world of Gatorade, Powerade, even Liquid IV. I, th- I think Liquid IV is great for you desert wanderers who are who are really depleting your electrolyte and, and mineral stores. Um, but but they do have I think it's like forty grams of sugar in a packet of. Oh uh, uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. I think it's more like forty calories in a packet of Liquid IV. But there's a there's a notable sugar content as well. And there's a time and a place for that. It's certainly better than Gatorade and a lot of those quote unquote sports drinks for the most part. But, um, if it's hydration and flushing that we're after, then just to keep it simple with the compounds of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and good old H2O, you're satisfying a lot of the detox requirements just by drinking half your body weight in fluid ounces, uh, per day as a really simple formula to determine how much you need. Um, the, the, the gallon or more a day I think is, is, more untenable than, than we uh, really have, have come to know, um, unless you're spending hours and hours in the gym, which if you are, I'm grateful to those high performers listening to this podcast. So there are always exceptions to the rule, but w- when we're talking baseline elements for health first and what our core values are around these practices, just half your body weight in fluid ounces per day is a great place to have as a base for your detoxification through hydration. When we think of energy, the two two bricks that that make up this cornerstone of uh, our values around diet, the number of meals you eat per day is something that you need to establish for yourself. As I've acknowledged before, I think for women, especially around their period, uh, they they just fluctuate. I mean, they're they're hungrier for the most part. And And then they go through different stages over the course of that cycle. Sometimes they their energy returns. They don't feel as reliant on food. Uh, of course, women of, of different ages have different experiences with this, but women especially, you do need to pay attention to just how you're feeling throughout the month. And uh, this is why I have tuned way more into the conversation around birth control because those compounds do stifle a lot of the natural ebb and flow of a woman's cycle, and she's not as in tune to what her body really needs. And so, so, so fasting becomes a very uh, selective tool for women. Uh, for men, I think you can play around with it a bit more freely because we're, we're lucky enough to be pretty constant with our, with our levels and our, the, the way we interact with the world throughout any given month or week or day. So, uh, but still, you, you need to determine the number of meals and then that becomes a discussion of when you need those meals during the day, uh, that will help you structure, uh, especially when it comes to your activity or the demands of your day, where you'll be and what you'll be doing. Then, uh, I think you do need to be really, uh, attentive to what your energy requirements are for that. And then the second pillar to this, which is very near and dear to my heart. And I share a lot of content around biodynamic regenerative agriculture to further promote, the necessity of consuming organic products. And this, this is rife with controversy, controversy and confusion because the world of organic products in the grocery store is not as straightforward as you, as you may think. Case in point, when Whole Foods sells you organic cookies, you need to reason out for yourself that, okay, they've slapped the organic label on this, but they're still cookies, filled with flour, sugar, and and Lord knows what else. I mean, I mean this is. I have whole podcast dedicated to exploring this world of food production, food availability. But uh, the FDA permits. I think it's up to twenty percent inaccuracies on food labels, and there is also an element not included on ingredients labels because they long ago established the precedent of generally regarded as good. Ingredients that the FDA and USDA uh, have determined you don't need to disclose on, on ingredients labels because they think that they're generally regarded as good. And man, if that is not a can of worms that needs to be open and exposed for what it is, which is largely Gross deception and, and a lack of transparency that is harming a lot of people. But this is all to say that if you're wondering about what you need to know about organic, um, the often the the um, language that is further attached to organic includes uh, for eggs and and poultry products. you have pasture pasture raised or cage free. There's different levels to that. Um, for beef, it's grass fed, grass finished is the apex of, uh, the, the beef food pyramid, uh, vegetables, uh, fruits locally grown. If, if you know that it's somewhere in your area or in your state, uh, that's usually a great vote of confidence as well. But, but that is a major pillar of determining your values around diet for your energy. And then I mentioned timing as well, uh, and and coupled with that discussion around timing is, uh, especially I think in the evenings, we when if if we are to prioritize the things that keep us healthy, like quality sleep, we need to determine at what point really marks the end of our day for consumption, especially of stimulants and sugar. And as someone who is a major sucker for dessert and feel like I need to have, a bite of chocolate or a, uh, <laughs> some, some semblance of uh, dessert after my evening meal, uh, that has really caused me to eat earlier, if I can help it, and then give myself lots of time to let the detox process start, drink more water after dinner, uh, maybe have some sort of hot beverage uh, that I can include with some activated charcoal, which uh, kind of speeds up that detoxification process, but, uh, but th- the timing... Uh, I, I think is really a, an often neglected part of this energy discussion that if you can make the the simple choices like that, that I'm going to stop eating at X PM. Uh, usually I, I think we, we've really come to advocate for the cessation of consumption within two or three hours before you go down to sleep because you do want to go to bed a little hungry and that just gives you a, a much longer time frame for your body to do what it does naturally in sleep, which is start to break down uh, those those compounds and then let you eliminate it in the morning. So to give yourself any more of a buffer is, uh, is really critical. So part and parcel to this discussion, uh, I, I know I just talked about a lot, possibly some new things to consider in your own uh, health first journey. I, I do like the formula of addition by subtraction. I, I I know I've talked about this before, but i I really admire the people who, when they reevaluate themselves and things that they want to do better or different, that often starts with doing things or 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 the or stopping doing things that aren't serving them. And for me, this has come in the in a place like the gym when I thought I had to work through the pain of doing a conventional deadlift just because I thought, that overall the deadlift was good for me, not while I've got a slip disc, not while I'm recovering from any sort of lower back, lower body injury. And, and again, you don't have to write these things off forever, but like, if, if you know that you have a gluten intolerance, don't continue to subject yourself to that pain. And, and this, this is very much a, uh, an, an accompanying part of this evaluation discussion is being more aware of the symptoms that eating and drinking and doing certain things produces in you. We still need to trust our, our our bodily and emotional feelings with those experiences so we can learn and do things differently. And so if you know of foods that do not agree with you, as hard as it might be, you need to subtract those foods. Even, even if on on some level of promoted analysis they're good for you, if they're not good for you, capital U, then you've got some work to do. And I think it's a pretty simple and easy tool to implement because uh, it, it can be an uphill battle at times to say, well, what what do I need to do more of? What, what are the things that I need to add? And I've I've encountered that resistance when I've told people, uh, as I like to say, I do specialize in unsolicited advice clearly, but when we talk about morning routines and rituals with the, there are so many things that you can do. Uh, I mean, here, here's a short list of things that I've tried to do lately. Put my feet on the ground outside, of course, uh, sunlight for five to 10 minutes, uh, as close to when I wake up as possible. Hydrate big glasses of water, maybe some salt stretching, some light movement. Meditating, praying journalism journalism, excuse me, journaling, breath work uh that that's a pretty comprehensive list of things that I do in uh in in different couplings throughout my mornings of the week, but uh for the average person who is waking up and scrambling to get ready and go to work uh and and one of the things that I would be putting on their plate would be waking up earlier to be doing all these ritualistic things that can seem. Daunting, and that's usually where we get resistance cropping up. And I don't have time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the resources, however, that manifests. So, um, th- this is why, as a baseline recommendation, I like to start with addition by subtraction to assess the things that are not serving you and try to extricate those from your day to day as much as possible. And w- one example I'll give is if you know that sitting for hours and hours and hours on end brings you discomfort or pain or you just don't feel good, you don't like the the stagnation of that experience, then I, I implore you to pepper in some 10-minute walks throughout your day just to break up that monotony and stagnation. And that that, that <laughs> I, I suppose that is some addition, uh, but it's the subtraction of trying to sit less and I think I think the good news with as, as we get into the culmination of this health first principle that you don't have to second guess positive decisions the second guessing and the unfortunate cycles of guilt and shame that we have around some of our malhealth and uh, so many of the things that detract from our health it, it you i I've, I've been in this place before is what is this spiral of criticism that we get into is, oh, if if I have this pastry for breakfast, uh, what am I going to do for a super intense workout to undo it? And what are the things I then have to deprive myself of to make up for this bad decision? Uh, when you're making better choices, you, you create your own momentum with that. And I, I believe the place where you do get to. And it's worth noting here that health is not a destination where you, you achieve peak health one day, and then you don't have to work out and eat right and hydrate and sleep well ever again. We know that's not the case. It's just like happiness. It is a journey where you have to maintain the practices that are in service of your health, of your happiness, and they ground you. And I, I, I've been going through this lately where I've had to remind myself that when I do feel detached from my health and happiness, I can always go back to my rituals that ground me and cre- recreate my own momentum again. And that, that's what I'm trying to get across here. And, and I, I love talking about momentum as I have pursued more of an education in physics, quantum physics especially. And I like thinking of this principle of health first as a first line of offense, that if you have a lean in momentum and mentality to life that you are uh, trying to bring about more order into your life. I'm always hesitant to say control because even as much as we talk about self-control, the self-control not to reach for that pastry, the self-control not to say, that harsh, harmful thing to someone when you're in a a fight. Self-control is elusive and it does require the practice of introspection, intimate awareness, and you you can improve that a little bit. But the order goes more into choices and, and ordering your choices to the point where you are, it does become more habitual to say, I'm going to put my health first. And with that perspective, you th- your Your choices will then fall into line. I, I do believe that to my core, that with a with a perspective change like this, where of all the things that we consider priorities and needs in our life, if we put health at the top, so many things flow downhill from that. Um, so at this point, I, I want to share, as I've teased the Definition of health that I learned from Paul Cech where he defines health as quote, an honest willingness to engage your body mind such that you engage body mind challenges as an integral process of creating and living your dreams and accomplishing your stated goals and objectives. So one more time from the top health is an honest willingness to engage your body-mind such that you engage body-mind challenges as an integral process of creating and living your dreams and accomplishing your stated goals and objectives. One of the words and concepts that stands out from that definition for me is challenge. I hope I haven't misrepresented the things I've been talking about today in saying that they're easy that it's always easy and straightforward to make the decisions that are healthy for us. And I, I it's worth acknowledging at this stage that we people who promote this was a big conversation in the last couple of years uh when we were talking about preserving our immune systems to not get sick. Uh oh just just live a healthy lifestyle or or I'm a healthy person, I don't have anything to worry about. We we don't really understand the depths of health and and i i only knew that because i i was under that delusion that i was a pretty healthy person despite drinking more than i should not sleeping as well that i should not having any quiet time not having a clarity around what really is happy making for me and so i'm Eternally indebted to Paul Cech and so many other people whose lives he's touched that I have had on my periphery and who who I now follow more regularly because uh, it's a it's a precarious position to neglect this four faceted approach to your health of your movement, your diet, your quiet, and your happy happiness. Uh, so, but one of the great truths of life is that we engage progress and achievement of those facets of our life by engaging challenges, because that's the only way that we may progress toward our dreams and our goals and our objectives. We need to seek out and curate and structure the the appropriate challenges that serve me, which is why I, I... I challenge people to think about if they're working out too much, if they're working too hard, uh, because that doesn't always serve you. We have a culture that is so obsessed with hard work. This is why I wish for so many reasons that Kobe Bryant were still alive, because although in his 20 year career, he was the Black Mamba working out at 4 a.m. and 11 p.m. and living his life in between. I think he would be more as I, I I've consumed a lot of his material, especially post basketball and I think he was on that journey to exploring more of a holistic holistic lifestyle that would lead him to be a beacon of well roundedness and recovery and understanding that and granted he he was at the highest echelon of world-class performance, and that does demand a lot more of your body than the average person for a time. For whatever that career is, if you are one of those beautiful souls who is motivated to express their peak potential in athletic form, then hey, I'm, I'm willing to concede the exception there. However, we know that always redlining is going to eventually catch up to you, and sometimes in detrimental ways. And if you're redlining yourself emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, that is a chaotic combination. So, this is why we have the four doctors to visit and revisit time and again, so that we can, as I like to say, you can reverse engineer what the approaches will be for you to attain your practices of happy making, the practices of a vitalizing, detoxifying, supportive diet, what our quiet time is to regenerate, to feel connected and rested, and then our expression of our body through movement, how we feel like we're really able to maximize that capacity without, or or, or maybe... Optimally move our bodies is probably a better way to say that. So uh, to close and just share some of my musings as I was just getting these thoughts down after that walk where I really started to think about health first. Um, I think think it's really, as I said, about reclaiming some choices so we can remember how powerful we are to direct our life and not feel like we are leaves blown in the wind that external forces and commitments and other people are what guide our choices, decisions, reactions, responses. Uh, when you put health first, I think it's incredibly powerful. I think it generates a positive momentum of positive choices that will then rewire our brains to relieve us of some of those choices we i've I've mentioned before the energy expenditure of going back and forth with your mind. Am I going to work out today? Am I going to eat well today? Am I going to go to sleep on time? Am I going to wake up on time? That's energy expenditure that you can reorganize to the stage where you don't have to waste that valuable life force. You have just made the overarching commitment to putting your health first so that you can ask yourself questions like, if I'm putting my health first? Am I going to drink heavily, regularly, at all? If I put my health first, am I going to stay up past 10 p.m. more than one or two nights in a row? If I put my health first, would I choose a well-rounded, healthy meal to balance out any other toxins or uh, uh, bad elements of my diet? If I put my health first, Would I say no to situations that detract from my goals and my dreams? If you put your health first, who could you be? Would you be on a better, faster, more honest path to becoming that person whom you know that you could be? If you started to live your life today... As if you were the person who lost 30 pounds, who put on 10 pounds of muscle, who could run half a marathon. If you already lived life as that person, I think you'd be putting your health first in every interaction. And as I've said, there's a lot more to be said about the health first choices we make around happiness and and quiet. Uh, But I'll run you through uh, lastly, as some as some uh, actionable takeaways, very simply for for happiness, ask yourself the question, or 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 posit this statement to yourself rather: "I am happy when I ellipsis." And I'll reinforce this for you, and it's been for my benefit as well. I am happy when I not my parents are happy. My significant other is happy. My boss is happy. My friends are happy. My social media following is happy. What am I genuinely happy when I'm doing? For quiet time, Dr. Quiet, to feel and be my best, I need X hours of sleep each night. As a baseline, I say shoot for seven to nine, eight to 10. That often means going to bed earlier for most people because waking up earlier can infringe on that. For optimal regeneration, I am in bed by blank PM and wake at blank AM. So how does the, your requirement to feel your best for total hours of total hours of sleep fit in there? And I devote X minutes daily to relaxing and calming my mind as part of my spiritual practice. My ideal time for my inner practice each day is blank. So that's how often are you Praying, meditating, maybe it's walking in silence. um, However, you want to put that in your spiritual practice. For your diet to optimally support detoxification and body mind function, I drink blank ounces of water daily. We talked about that formula half your body weight in ounces is a tremendous baseline. To optimally support my body with the energy and ideal cellular chemistry, I need to live my dreams fully each day. I eat X number of meals daily and seek to consume certified organic products X percentage of the time, X percent of the time. And I avoid eating meals, desserts, or stimulants after X PM. So my organs and glands get optimal rest each night and have the nutrients needed to restore my body mind efficiently and effectively. And last but certainly not least, I am aware of the following symptoms that may be coming from foods or drinks that I consume and that I may need to change. For movement, I choose to mobilize and stretch my body for X minutes on the following days each week. I choose to work out for between blank and blank minutes a day on the following days each week. And I choose to work in for X minutes on the following days of the week To calm my emotions and mind and optimally support regeneration of my body. So, working out is consistently productive. These are your dream and four doctor core values, which can be found in the Peerless book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. I am realizing after a podcast like this, and as I come with an intention each time before this microphone, I'm a curator. I want to organize and and share as much quality information and guides as I can with you all. I used to be crippled by not being original or, or a fear that I wouldn't be original, but I'm starting to trust my unique self more and more. And, and that's a journey uh, that, that is leading me toward more creation that is organically uniquely me. But a lot of this is coming from just the, the immense energy and excitement that I get from being connected to these invaluable resources like the work of Paul Cech. And if you're sick and tired of hearing his name from me, go check out the Living 4D podcast that he releases every Tuesday that will blow your mind wide open into new dimensions and new possibilities uh, if you're not quite ready for that. Listen to the last half of this podcast again, especially the last couple of minutes when I put forth some of those questions to help you lay out clearly, to know definitively what it is that you're after so that you can then reverse engineer your plan to get there. My hope for you is that you get there sooner than later because this world needs you to be strong. It needs you to be rested. It needs you to be on the path to your full potential. So that you can express that with love and connection to the people and the world around you. And I hope these tools have been helpful. And I hope this has given you more of a capacity to look inwardly and have an introspective capacity to be your own engineer, to be your own coach, to be your own guide. Who knows you better than you? And who's to say? Today it's been me. I've got more guests coming up to speak on things like this how we optimize our knowledge of ourselves to be healthy. In the meantime, I'm always grateful that you're following my lead on this and on this journey to empower ourselves to to better explore just what we're capable of which always surprises me every time I unlock something new. And and the more I explore my core values and get more transparency on what I'm intended to do, what I'm here on this earth to do, it just lights me up. And then it brings me to share this all with you. So this is goodbye for now. Au revoir. And until next time, I'm Tom Foolery. And I so appreciate you spending this hour with me. And I wish you all the more health and happiness.